Phil Jackson, he told a story of how he arranged a meeting between Michael Jordan and Kobe. And the first thing Kobe says is not great to meet you or hello, black Jesus or, you know, whatever else anybody else would have said. He said, I could kick your ass one-on-one. And Jordan laughs and says, you might, you just might. Welcome back to the Basketball Forever podcast. I'm head of editorial here, Nick Jungfram, with BF founder and newly father of two, Alex Sumsky. We've got a new addition to the family and the Basketball Forever family too, Um, Kobe, Kobe the, uh, the puppy, eight weeks old. And we've got Kobe standing by, actually dozed off and... (laughs) Have <laughs> to wake up, little Kobe. Have a look at the little guy. He's a uh, toy. Ca- oh no, not a toy cavoodle. Toy poodle. Let's get our story straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. That's how new Kobe is. We're not even sure exactly what breed. He can um, see and the little brother of cavoodle, uh, right? Gigi. Yeah, Gigi. So now we've got two dogs. Oh, we've got a Kobe. And a Gigi, which is, as far as I'm concerned, as a basketball fan, the yeah. perfect duo. Yeah. The the most amazing name combo you can ever have for pets. But it's very fitting for today's episode. Right. Of course, we're doing a special commemorative um, episode today with, of course, the three-year anniversary of Kobe's tragic death. Yeah. Um in 2020. Yeah. And of, of course, like a lot of people out there, um, Kobe, especially near and dear to our hearts and extremely influential as well. Mm. A lot of the, from day one, right? The, the post that we did, the content that we did, Kobe was big time. Uh, the single greatest inspiration without the content doubt. that we do. Yeah. It, he was truly our muse uh, in terms of, you know, even just getting, not just establishing basketball forever, but like you said, all of the content in the early days, all of our most popular pieces, some of our legacy pieces. A, a lot of that was around Kobe. He really did shape the identity of our business. And I'm really interested to hear from you as the founder, um, having been around from day one, what was it for you specifically like about Kobe that, where you built so much of the content around him and he, he came to define so much of BF? Um, it's a, that's a really, that's a hard question to answer actually because f- for me it was, um, I'm going to butcher the quote. I remember Max Kellerman said something. He said something along the lines of, you know, if you were to look at just the numbers on their own, uh, Kobe's not top five all time. And even if you look at the numbers, it's arguable that he's not top 10 of all time. But there are an army of people that are willing to fight till their dying breath to say that he is because when you watch Kobe on the court, you it you experience something emotionally. He made you feel something. That- yes. It's in a way that no one else really had. No, and and that's a really indescribable thing. Um, and I, and I I look back at when I was 
a lot younger and I was first getting brought into exposed to the NBA, uh, you know, it was Kobe was the draw card. Like that was what, you know, made basketball so poetic and mesmerizing. Yeah, there was something about Kobe where if you're a Lakers fan, you just feel like this guy's willing to die Yeah, for you. Yeah. And if you are a fan of any other team, I just remember nothing strikes fear into your heart in the same way that Kobe did. If he was, if he mm. was in that killer mode, which he always was to some extent, but if he was in the absolute peak of that, you're like, I'm in big trouble here. You know, the other thing is that it was a, I think it's a very simple explanation. I mean, you look at Michael Jordan, right? What he did for the game of basketball, what he did for the NBA, how he globalized the sport, you know, the last dance and how people received that, how he was viewed in the 80s and 90s and, you know, how he stayed as basically the consensus goat all these years later, all these decades later. Yeah, it's it's no wonder Kobe sort of has the the status that he does given he was just a replica of Michael Jordan in terms of the eye test, what you see on the court. It mm. was... What it's what you saw with Michael Jordan, and it was the same um, mentality too. I mean, now that mentality is quite simply just Mamba mentality, mm. but but it was that that you know we haven't really seen, you know, before MJ came along, and we haven't, and the only thing we've seen since MJ was Kobe in terms of you know that style of play. You know, you've seen the viral videos, the ones where you put put them side, the players side by side and it's just a complete mirror image. Mm. Uh, it's no wonder Kobe, you know, the fact that Michael Jordan could captivate everyone, of course Kobe was going to come along for the next generation and captivate them in the exact same way. To me, that's sort of like a, it's a no-brainer. And then for you, what were some of the, whether it was content we did or just you, games you remember watching? Um, and oh. you just vividly remember those moments. It's the longest list in terms of games for watching. I know um, I always, I'm always going to think about 06. You know, there's easy mainstream answers that I can give. Like you can, um, that game winner mm. against um, the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. Uh, that buzzer beater, obviously, in the Western Conference Finals was crazy. It, the 81-point game was – you didn't almost couldn't appreciate how incredible it was at the time when I watched it when I was younger because you didn't understand the rare air in that moment. Like you, mm. you didn't know how elite that was. You couldn't conceptualize it because you'd just seen someone do the impossible. It should, yeah, I was just about to say it should not have been possible or even close. Yeah. Um, th you know, that always – comes to mind i remember the, the 09 010 um all the game winners kobe had setting mm. the record that season it was a buzzer beater every second week um willing the lakers to the playoffs and then doing his achilles mm. uh 60 point final game like these are ones that stick out to me as just i you know i was so blown away in the moment i was experiencing it that it's like, you know, that's a basketball basketball memories that will stick with me for the rest of my life. For me, one of the ones that really blows my mind the most is dropping 60 in his final game. Yeah. Because I couldn't believe it. He he was a long way off 
you know, prime Kobe, mm. as you'd expect at his age. But mm. that final year, there was an especially a noticeable drop off. Mm. Um, even from the previous years where he dropped off a bit, then there's a big dip after that. Mm. And if anyone was going to just say, you know what, last hurrah, it, it makes absolutely no sense that I would be able to drop 60 because my body won't allow it. My nothing is at the level that it was. Mm. He just could tap into something deeper that was, it's like something from a movie or a, an inspirational scene from a movie, a, mm. you know, digging deep. Yeah. It, it's just not real life. It's movie like. It's yeah. Hollywood, which is fitting of where he plays, of course. The greatest farewell performance in any sport. Yeah, it just absolutely perfect ending. Um, it always makes me sad when I go back and I watch that game because it's such a nice moment, obviously, for him. And you get to see how much he means to Los Angeles as a city and to the Lakers franchise. It kind of all sort of comes together. But, you know, what what's particularly sad is when you when you look courtside and you see the admiration from his kids and Gigi in mm. particular who have have never seen Kobe at, play at that level before really when it was within their realm of when they could consciousness properly process look at how it. young they were when Kobe yeah, they were babies, the, really. the 2010 title they were so young yeah too young to remember seen, that's an excellent point they hadn't seen they hadn't seen it they didn't even know Gigi wouldn't have even known that something like that was possible but then to be there courtside at your dad's last game and and witness that I think it's it's incredibly sad when you you know mm. obviously reflecting back on that now and what what's happened and this is you know her dad Gigi and Kobe obviously extremely close and her dad was already um, like a, like with a lot of kids, your dad's like your hero. Mm. She's looking at it that way. And then he actually goes out there and does some superhero type yeah. stuff. It it really, every time I see the photos or the, the footage, um, you showed me a Kobe video earlier that you'd been working on. Mm. And when I see the, in 2016, but especially when they're really young, like the 09 and 2010 finals, and he's celebrating with his daughters. I'm like, that just cuts me up. It's yeah, just a tough watch. It's a tough yeah, watch. I yeah. Mean, I I remember how tough it felt just when we we're in the office the day after. It didn't feel I've never had other than people I actually know personally, like excluding immediate mm. friends and family, someone who I don't actually know. I've never nothing's come close to where it's like this doesn't feel real. This can't it's kind of even now, three years later, I'm I, I still have these moments from like, oh, Kobe's not around anymore. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It still doesn't compute to this day. Yeah, you know, same. most things sink in over time. This one still hasn't for me. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm yeah. the same. It was, uh, yeah, it was very nostalgic, kind of going back because in in preparation for this episode, I wanted to pull out some of the things that I, you know, we've covered over the years since 2011, posting about Kobe things that stuck out as I don't want to say um, what's the word I'm looking for they're not moments that aren't necessarily mainstream because there are people that know about them but they're not like as widely publicized talked about mm. uh, but that stuck out to me as like I really just 
remember the moment, time and place when either it occurred or that we wrote about it or posted about it or made something for uh, and really, I think, encapsulated Kobe as a person and the whole Mamba mentality. Mm. Um, one in particular, in you know, talking about that final season, tell me if you remember this, and we can put it up on the screen too for everyone watching, but it was when it was the his final season, he was really struggling, you know, he – he wasn't that guy anymore. Couldn't score. He couldn't shoot well from the field. And it was riding was sort of on the wall. Uh, and it was a little bit hard to watch. And then it was the Lakers versus the Pacers. Um, and this was in the end of November. So it still would be about a, just over a month into the season, but f- four weeks in the NBA, as you know, long time to see someone sort of deteriorate. Mm. Um, and he came out. Uh, and it was they were like you know down, down four and fifteen seconds left, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be another Laker L. And then inbounds the ball, and Kobe catches it and pulls up for that. Like he just drills that three, and it was like you saw the Kobe that you thought was now gone forever just creep back in in this one moment in the game and then Kobe even surprising himself and he's standing in the court hands on hips and he's just like cracking up laughing yeah. do you remember this and yeah then, and, and it's like and I, I, courtside announcers I can like still look do at me it. Kobe Kobe look at me yes and they make eye yes. contact that was bursts out laughing that was such a perfect moment between um, it was great that was uh, Stu Lance I believe yeah from the Lakers commentary Perfect moment, yeah. And, and just to see it slip back in, it's it was nostalgia. Um, it was nostalgic, really, in well, that moment. It was just this was old all Kobe. A, all the Staples Center got to experience the Kobe that they all bought tickets to see. Yeah, that you thought was gone, and then it's like, no, he's he he's still here, not in a body that you know the shell, the the casing, the body mm. is not there anymore. But that's that's the Kobe that we all remember. Yeah. Yeah, you're buying tickets just on the off chance that you see even a slither mm. of it. Yeah, that's it. It was um I, that moment always sort of stuck out to me. I remember where I was when I was watching the game. I remember how excited I was. Mm. I remember clipping it up and posting it and it going viral. And I was just like, man, it just felt it was it was just a great reminder to know that maybe this season's not dead. After all, like maybe I don't have to turn this off. It's not a hard watch. There will be more moments like these. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's other ones like, um, do you remember the 2013 All-Star Game? And it was all that chat about sort of Kobe and LeBron and it was still like that, you know, who's going to match up with who? Was that a time when Kobe was still delivering, you know, the most returns in the all-star voting and all the rest and mm. that sort of conversation was reignited around that time. And then when they faced off in the all-star game, uh, Kobe played like lock up defense on mm. LeBron and he was going for drives and he like swatted shots and then he did full court press and then swatted another shot of, of LeBron's. And, and it stands out, of course, so much in those farcical yeah. all-star games where they joke it's, and kid around. That's the thing. And it's like, no one's um, wired more the opposite way of like how an all-star game normally flows, you know, like he can't, mm. he was, it was like kind of the perfect excuse for him to 
just sort of say, you know what, screw this. Yeah. I'm just going to be Kobe. I'm going yeah. to go hard like I always do. It must kill him to have just cruised through All-Star Games in the past. Well, the award's named after him. Yeah. he. No one gave more of an effort and had yeah. more of an All-Star like X factor than Kobe in those games. Yeah, it's not in his DNA to chill out no, in the All-Stars. No, but I just loved that moment because it was just like Kobe reminding everyone that I'm still him. And then in 2016, his final one, and you were there, by the way. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know that, but they don't. Yeah. Um, and you get that LeBron-Kobe magical moment. Yeah, the slapping, slapping the, the court. floor. Oh, man. That was great. And then Drake ruined the photo. I was about to say fucking Drake yeah. had to stand right there yeah. Yeah. Um, for that photo. Shout out to VN Designs who did a version of the photo. We might pop it up if we can find it where he photoshopped Drake out of it. Yeah. Which is great. That's that's yeah. elite work. Yeah. That yeah. that man uh, is doing God's work. So yeah. shout out to VN Designs. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was um, – that's a nice memory actually. I, I – to finish it off that way, it was perfect. That was one yeah. of those ones where in that moment, you just know you're witnessing this special moment. He didn't make the shot, which kills me, but... Well, I was about to say, even whatever happens after that. I yeah, almost, it's I almost not really about the shot, I almost couldn't it? remember what happened no. after the floor slap because that was the moment. I love that game. Yeah. That's another one. I forgot about that. That really stuck out. That was my first All-Star game, too, that I'd seen in person. Mm. Um, and, yeah, couldn't ask for a better one to see his final final all-star game he ever played he just in the same way that he rises to the occasion in the finals he he rose to the occasion when it was his final all-star game his final game at staples or that was also his final game ever Mm. Mm. he just wasn't gonna let you down no yeah that was and he had that mentality of people pay good money to come see me play i'm gonna try and put on a show every time might be the only time they've ever seen me yeah they might have you know you go to staples and it often feels like half the crowd is in from overseas because yeah. the lakers are a, are a show they want to see kobe mm. and it's like he knew that too yeah. you always see the fans holding up a sign saying i've come from tokyo i've come from brazil yeah. and no one's gonna he's not gonna let you down yeah and no way in hell is he gonna sit out load management any of that shit so you've got some other sort of slightly under the radar non yeah. non mainstream Kobe. Moments. I sort of pulled out, and this took me a while to find these because I can't even tell you how many hundreds and thousands—not hundreds and thousands, but hundreds or thousands—of posts we've done about Kobe over the years. But um, Facebook doesn't make it easy to find them either. No, they don't. If Zuckerberg you, could sort that out. He's not. never sorting that out. No. He's he's too deep in the metaverse. Too deep. Point. Into his jet skiing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I'll give you a couple that I really love um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, so the first one is when the LA Clippers told Kobe Bryant he'd given them the best workout they'd ever seen. This is when he was looking to get drafted. I remember that. Uh, but they said that they wouldn't draft him. And when Kobe asked why, they said, we want to turn things around with our organization. We felt like if we drafted a 17-year-old kid, then the city of Los Angeles wouldn't take us seriously. Amazing. By the end of Kobe's career, he had five rings and the Clippers had never made it past the second round. Delectable content. It is. That's, I remember that post. It's funny because I think about that and I'm like, oh, it, it, the poetic justice of it being in L.A., the other LA team, if it was almost any other team, yeah. it doesn't sting quite as much. They're, wo- they're worried about not being taken seriously. They're worried about the optics 
to the city of LA. Yeah. And he's now the most storied and greatest player to have ever played in that city. It's hard to think of many athletes in in any sport who meant more to any city. Mm. That's how intertwined he is with the the fabric of LA. Yeah. Even though he's originally from Philly, he might as well be from LA. He is homegrown kid as yeah. far as everyone's concerned. It's it's unbelievable to think I mean, about that's that why quote. The, and then yeah. you know, you you go through the streets of Los Angeles and there's Kobe murals everywhere. Thousands. Yeah. It's not even an exaggeration to no. say there's even that website no. where you can find them all. Every three streets there's something. Yeah. But um even in Australia. Even yeah, here. Here. There's a couple there used to be one, like a suburb away. There was the my local beach in Adelaide. <laughs> they did this huge mural that went viral. We on the posted beach. It on we the posted beach. it. Yeah, that was down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Philippines, they love a good Kobe mural. Oh my goodness, do they ever? Um, but yeah, I just like that story because you know it's something you, you always hear the stories about. You know, Charlotte Hornets and the Celtics and whatever else, but you don't really get to hear the that the the irony of the the Clippers workout, right? Um, it is pure, and the inclusion of the Mamba mentality. Yeah, that mm. one's incredible. Mm. Um, there was this one that we did that I love because, again, it it's amazing Mamba mentality, but also it's so absurd what was achieved and what he was rebuffing and then what he went out and did in response to this, that it defies lot. Like it honestly defies logic. Like to me, it's just so incredible when you consider the magnitude of the performance when we were talking about the 81 point game, but I'll just give you the post in its entirety. I went up to Kobe and said, Hey coach. Oh, sorry. It was, I went up to Kobe and said, Hey coach wants to know if you want to stay in for the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, get 70 and then come out. Kobe looked up at the scoreboard and he said, nah, I'll get it another time. I looked at him and I kind of got mad. I said, what? You have a chance to get 70 points? How many people can say they scored 70 points? Just stay in the game a few more minutes and get another eight points. Get 70, then come out of the game. He said, I'll do it when we really need it. I'll get it when it really matters. That was Coach Brian Shaw on Kobe's 62-point game, um, which you'd probably remember. Mm, of course. Um, so then it was something that just rolled off my tongue because I trained extremely hard and the physical tools were there. I just felt like I could have a game like that again. Kobe, just about a month later, dropped 81 points on the Raptors. Yeah, ridiculous. What's so crazy about that is to pass up an opportunity. You think about how much we celebrated Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker for getting a zillion shots to drop 70. It's meant to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yeah. and It's not even meant to really happen in a lifetime. No. And to pass <laughs> up the opportunity and say, I'll do it when we really need it. And then a month later, really needing it. And not just 70, but 80. 81. It's, it's just madness. I, I can't even process no. the like the enormity of, of something like that. Um, but to me, that's just such a cool story that you know you can have that conversation and then a month later set a record that'll probably stand the test of time for you know several more decades. 
And 70 plus is such rare air. Mm. I mean, we have seen Booker and Donovan do it in this explosion of scoring mm. that we've seen in recent years. But even still, mm. um, LeBron James and Michael Jordan yeah. wouldn't have truly, truly, truly thought that if they're on 70 or it's approaching 70, mm. oh, no worries, I'll do it another time. Mm. They, mm. Those guys didn't do that. Yeah. Let alone twice. Yeah. Oh, no worries, I'll just do it next month. And then you think about that and it's performances like that and sort of ability like that that a lot of people always sensed within Kobe. Like you could always just feel that energy about him. He He, he just gave off the aura of this is what I'm capable of. And I know that I feel like that's true of him just based on the fact that when you think of a fearless player in NBA history, when you think of someone that was afraid of absolutely no one mm. and never, ever thought anyone was ever better than him and had probably the biggest ego in NBA history, who do you think of? Yeah, it, you can't beat Kobe. Well, if oh, you could. MJ. Yeah. Right. So the fact that MJ, this is, and I took that personally, MJ. Yeah. This Phil Jackson, in an interview which we published, he told a story of how he arranged a meeting between Michael Jordan and Kobe after a LA game in 1999. And obviously MJ just retired at this point and they sat down in the chairman's room. And the first thing Kobe says to MJ is not great to meet you or hello, black Jesus or, you know, whatever else yeah. anybody else would have said. He said, I could kick your ass one-on-one <laughs> and Jordan laughs and says, you might. You just might. Yeah. That's like an all-time endorsement. He would never say that about any other human being at any other point in his life, but Kobe got that. Yeah. I I, I don't think I, – I, that just speaks volumes to me about not only his ability, but how even the greatest perceived him. MJ's looking for an excuse to say, fuck you, I'll destroy you. Mm. And this guy comes in with a big FU of his own – and MJ goes, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Because, and then another time he said, well, he'd beat me because he stole all my moves, yeah. which is, right, which is, um, I guess, true. But, you know, you could argue maybe he perfected some of them. I don't know. Um, but the most, my favorite personal story that I always think about, because it also shows another side of Kobe's brain, which was, he was just one of the most intelligent individuals in sports that you'd ever meet. Like he was, um, he was just, you know, aside from being so talented and creative and, uh, you know, he was so articulate and um, thoughtful, mm. but he just had that ability from that young age to be able to really tap into the, that side of his mind, particularly when he was, because he was, you know, bilingual, as you know. But how he used that, in the NBA, to me, is spectacular. And this one's, you know, we, we put this out about a month before he passed away um, because I don't know if you remember, do you remember uh, when he went to sit courtside for Luke, that game? Mm, I, had this on, I had this on my list. Oh, I'm, you had it on yours. I'm Am I stealing you, it? No, no, I'm glad you've got it. Well, I like this, uh, and you might have a different take on it, but Kobe heckled. Luka Doncic in uh, Slovenian from the from the sidelines, um, and what's cool about that is 
the fact that he definitely would have learnt to speak a little bit of that language so he could have something to say to Luca. But that's something that he's done his whole career. You know, because you know, aside from being fluent in Italian, he learnt Spanish so he could talk to Pau Gasol, Serbian so he could talk to um, Sasha, and he also used that he, he would swear in Serbian on the court. Um, uh, and then he also learnt French specifically so he could trash talk Tony Parker. Yeah. I mean, if that's not the most mumba mentality shit you've ever heard in your life, I don't know what is. To me, that could be one of the most incredible things that anyone's ever done in the NBA. I loved when Luca talked about it. And, you know, because you know he grew up in Italy, you know he's got Italian in his bag. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when Luca hears something in Slovenian, it's like, what... What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Did he just, did Kobe just say? And there's this great photo of the moment that it's captured where Luca has that moment of like, like, hold the phone. And then yeah. daps him up. Kobe's just chuckling. Yeah. And fuck, man, I, I, I watched that photo. It makes me so sad because they were so, like, he was so at peace, you know, mm. like at that time. That's the thing is that, you know, it was easy to think, oh, Kobe's going to struggle in retirement because he's so wide. No. He's so wide to compete, and it was such a special thing to see how at peace he was. Because yeah. a lot of us weren't necessarily expecting that to be the case. But his his daughters is the biggest part of it. Mm. Um, his wife, his family, mm. um, and then on top of that, he was such a he had such a creative mind mm. that he was, you know channeling into things like um dear basketball yeah um and so he was not just wasting away he was putting no. all that uh creativity and drive into creative projects and yeah. he was excelling at them absolutely winning an oscar um so that's the rough thing because who was it that said i think maybe multiple people have said it that in a way kobe was his life was just beginning because it was kind of well, his second life. It's sad, man. I think of... Um, and he was already he, killing it. He was already excelling yeah, so incredibly. And he was only a few years into that post-basketball life. He, he won his Oscar. And, he's, you know, those videos courtside with Gigi. Mm. One of my favorite... This was just a video that we shared mm. um we weren't the only ones to share it but it was just one of my favorites anyway was he pretty sure they're at a nets game in brooklyn kobe mm. and Gigi wasn't long before he died and um kobe is sort of pointing out what's going on on the court uh pointing these things out to Gigi, and then you see she finishes his sentence yeah and then they both crack up and kobe just looks at her with like so much pride it's like she's so yeah. sharp already. Yeah. She's a little Kobe in the making. Um, he was like, damn. That's that stuff's tough to watch for me. I it's, really struggle watching. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's like beautiful and, but brutal at, and, at the same time. And then you've just got too many emotions to <laughs> yeah. to deal with. And you're right, he was um he was so at peace. I and it, it was hard to see a man that grappled grappled with coming to terms with retirement so much that he he you know traveled to the hills of Taiwan to meditate with monks 
Yeah. To just just to get a little bit of peace and 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 come to terms with. I think there's a quote. I think I have it here somewhere. It says, "Yeah, yeah, I've got it." And and then I found myself sitting there. My mind wouldn't drift towards the game all the time anymore. And that's when I started realizing, you know what? It's getting close. It's getting close. Because now I'm not obsessively thinking about the game anymore. It's not wired into my subconscious the way it used to be. I, that's hard. Mm. Like he had to go, go through that journey, finally extricates himself, ha- now has this time with his family and his daughters and he, he gets to have these moments that he's been wanting and longing for for so long but just couldn't because of how he's wired and then to have the rug pulled out from under you like that and y- your life cut short and your daughter's life cut short. I, I, I just can't even comprehend the sadness yeah. for his family. It was. It would be – it's just particularly – amazing to me that how he was able to pull away from the game and not let it chew him up mentally and occupy his thoughts at all time because no one other than maybe MJ Mm -hmm. comes close in terms of how much the game dominates their mind it was the it was what made Kobe Kobe was that singular focus Mm -hmm. and that also means that no one's more distant from their family even when he's in LA you know that basketball's Mm -hmm. all that's on his mind it's destroying tomorrow's night's opponent or tonight's opponent Mm. um all the intricate x's and o's everything that goes with it um which just makes it even more impressive and mind-blowing that he was able to train his mind to pull away from it Mm. that in itself is an incredible achievement before he even achieves anything outside of basketball Mm. just to rewire your brain which was so strongly wired Mm. in such a way yeah there's really nothing he couldn't do. No. He, he was w- just not going to take no for an answer. I, I, he was just work at it until he did it. I believe that the mythology of Kobe is uh, is going to be unparalleled for the rest of my lifetime in terms of, you know, basketball players. Jeez, well, it's such a sad... I feel sad. Yeah. <laughs> There's no... There's no other way to put it. No it's other a, way it's, to, sad, it's always going to be a sad conversation. Yeah, but there are those... It, it's special as well because when you talk about those moments of where it's like only Kobe. Mm. Only Kobe could have done that. Only Kobe could have left us with these memories. I really enjoyed the ones that you mm. brought to the table that um, are a little bit more under the radar. Yeah. Mm. Um, but we'll leave it there. Mm. We do want to hear, genuinely really enjoy reading, um, you know, other people's thoughts, their memories. I remember as sad as it was, it was the one thing that eased it just the tiniest bit was it, it, seeing how much Kobe meant to everyone else and their favorite memories. So let's sort of get that going again. Please do. I'd love, yeah, I'd love it. Share, share away some of your, your best Kobe memories. You know, we'll read them all. We'll write back to as many of you as we can because, uh, yeah, it's a subject that we'll, we'll never tire of talking about. No, never. So please do write in and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>